Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back for another episode of the Believe in Lions podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am joined by the one, the only, the all-pro, the NFL interception leader, the safe for the Detroit Lions, Look Quick. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's been a long summer, very busy, but I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back in the right space. We're back on the grind, and I am happy to be talking to you and I'm happy about this Detroit Lions season that we've got coming up. It's training camp right now. What do you think of when you think of training camp? What When you hear that word, what pops in Glover Quinn's mind? Oh, man, the start of a long journey. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of what it is. You know, when training camp gets started, you know, you've been training all offseason. You know, you kind of ramped it up in the summer, getting yourself ready to go. And then – training camp starts and now you get to go out and show the improvements um if you've gotten better um do all those different things but it's also july you know and and you know that the end goal is to still be playing come february so it's the start of a long grueling journey each and every day um that's fun you know, training camp, I have fun at training camp. You know, they told me when I was a rookie that every year training camps get easier, and, and it did. Um, so I have fun at training camp, but it's long, it's hot, it's tiring, it's physically draining, mentally draining. It's a lot of different things. And so that's kind of what I think about. It's like, you know, it's it's it, it's time to lock in and 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 get yourself ready to go. It's cool that you said fun as one of the things you think of when it comes to training camp. Because that's not every player, but that just goes to show who you are, the type of person, type of player, and type of leader you were for both the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. When you can make practicing in 100-degree heat fun. And I'm sure the Houston Texans practices training camp. They're a little bit harder than the Lions. Bet Online is your number one source for your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> practice used to be so hot out there, man. Like, and we used to practice early morning. So the thing about it is, it's getting hotter as you practice. Yeah. You go out there, you know, practice start at eight o'clock, and I'm walking to the field at 7 20. You know, and I'm soaking wet by the time I get to the field, just walking out there. And, you know, practice gets started at 8 o'clock, and it may be 90 degrees, 91, 92. By 10, it's 96. You know what I'm saying? So it's getting hotter as practice go on. So, you know, hey, man, 
but that the atmosphere was cool the environment was cool and you know coach kubiak at the time was was cool so we we made it through it and then you know when i got to detroit we were practicing in the afternoons when i first got there with with jim schwartz we would practice at three o'clock in the afternoons and would be just the opposite right it'll start out hot and it's getting cooler as the as the um, practice went on um but some days in detroit it would be chilly during training camp you know like it'd be like oh man it's a little it's a little chilly out today um um and then some days you will have like a hot day and then with coach caldwell we practice earlier we would practice like early and i can't say that it was houston heat but I mean, we will have our Detroit heat, and so it, we will have some hot days, um, but it wasn't anything that, uh, you know, couldn't handle. And like I said, at, at this point, I'm in, you know, the, the the latter stages of my career. So I've been to five, six, seven different training camps, so I was used to it. Like I said, it was, it was more fun to me at that point. Did it matter to you whether it was morning or afternoon practices? Was there a difference? And do, do other players find difference? Or is it kind of a, hey, this is the job. I'm here. I'm going to work. I don't really care about the finer details of it. Um, I, I don't know if it really mattered to a lot of players. I know to me, like, I I like morning practices. Um, I liked – I kind of liked it all other than – like I did not like night practices or like those yeah. evening practices. I just didn't like waiting around all day to practice, and then you get out of practice late and you're trying to rehab or you know body, you know recover and all that stuff. Then you got to get home quickly for for uh, curfew, and then now you got to go right back in the morning. Like I didn't really like those, but to get up. You know, first thing in the morning, like if we had practices at like eight o'clock in the morning, that's before meetings. That's for that's like you getting up, you're going over there. We're going to practice. And then throughout the rest of the day, we're going to install. We're going to watch practice. We're going to go things for for, you know, the next day. Like I used to love that because I'm going to get up. I'm going to be over there early. I'm going to get my body ready to go and I'm going to be ready to walk out there to the practice field and be ready to go early in the morning. And then if you got like a 10 or 11 o'clock practice or 12 o'clock practice, well, now it's kind of the same thing. You're just getting over there, getting some breakfast real quick. Probably got like a little quick meeting or something in the morning. And then you're out there on the practice field. So I, I like the early practices. And then every now and then, you know, when the weather is good and the fans are out there, you like that 2 o'clock practice or 1 o'clock practice where it's just kind of sunny and you get some – midday you know fun you you you're you're awake your body's up especially when you have like the night off you know what i'm saying when you have like that two o'clock practice and you practice from like two o'clock to four o'clock and then you get out of practice and you come in and you have dinner and boom they let you go home at like 6 30 and now you can finally get a night off because you don't really get a night off you're going every day you get out of there we used to get out of there by nine o'clock curfew be at 9 30 you got enough time to get you some snack and get to the hotel um so yeah, yeah. And you always at a hotel for training camp or were you ever able to stay at home um so when i was in detroit i was always at the hotel for training camp um all the way up until the training camp broke so training camp generally breaks the after the second preseason game 
that's how it was for us because week three was kind of like the game week. So you was technically not on training camp schedule. You was on more of like a, this is what a game week will look like for us. We practice, we meet, they're going to go home. So technically training camp will break. We would always say it will break, not not after the second preseason game, but like the Thursday before because you – you will have you will finish at that practice and then the next day you're in the hotel for the for the game for the second preseason game. So training camp was basically over. So you really had like the first week and a half uh before the first preseason game. Then you had the week of the first preseason game, and then you had the week leading up to the second preseason game. So when I was in Detroit, we stayed in the hotel every time. When I was in Houston, my rookie year, I stayed in the hotel. After that, Coach Kubiak allowed the veterans, and I was considered a veteran after the first year. That's kind of how it is in the league. When you're no longer a rookie, you're a vet. Uh, There's no really in between. Um, He allowed us to stay at home if you wanted to. Now, you could have stayed in the hotel, but you kind of had to opt in or opt out. You couldn't opt out early, but you can opt in later i guess meaning hey i want to stay at the hotel this year okay cool once you say you're going to stay at the hotel well then you can't be there for a week and now it's like all right coach i'm gonna move back home like if you say you're gonna stay at the hotel then you're there until training camp breaks if you say you're gonna stay at home but now you're at home you're tired the babies are crying you this and this and that and you're like hey coach i think i need to move into the hotel so I can get some rest and I can really focus on that. They'll let you move into the hotel, but they won't let you move out. So after my first year, I stayed at home doing training camp. I'm sure it makes it a lot more comfortable that way. You've got all of your amenities at home. You can rest and recover and watch film the way that you're used to during the season. So I get that. I think that would be preferable to me, but everyone has it different ways. Everyone runs their training camp differently. And one thing, unfortunately, we can't avoid during training camp is injuries. Every team is going to have some sort of injury. For the Lions, it seems like we got lucky. I lost my mind when it was reported C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he went down. It was a non-contact injury. It was a knee. The whole team huddled around him. And then later in the day, you hear, oh, you know, actually, he's fine. There's no structural damage. You know, much ado about nothing. He'll be back in a couple days. I've never really heard that happen. Usually the non-contact is, all right, well, that's it. Have you ever been in that situation where it's like, oh, non-contact? No, he's fine. Nah, and, and and I was the same way. You know, once you see that, you're like, oh, well, you know, he went down, non-contact, he's carted off. Well, you know, that's a ACL or some kind of torn ligaments in the knee. And, you know, I think they were reporting knee injury because sometimes if they say leg injury, then it could possibly be Achilles or who knows what it is, right? Yeah. And so you're just like, oh, wow, well, that that happened fast, right? Um, I saw something that was like, you know, uh, one of the guys that they signed hadn't been cleared yet. C.J. Gardner-Johnson just went down with a non-contact knee injury. Now Cam Sutton is the only one left from the Lions revamped secondary or something like that. Um, so 
you know, luckily for him, man, I still haven't seen what the final reports are or what they're what they're saying it is or it isn't. Um, but sound like is not season ending, so that's a good thing. And you know, hopefully he can get back to training camp because honestly, training camp is where you really set up your season. You know, when you come out of training camp and you've had a good training camp body wise, practice wise, physically, mentally, you've you've had a really good training camp, you generally take that right over into the season and 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 start the season off the right way. A lot of times when you don't get those those reps, that stuff in training camp, then it takes you three or four weeks to kind of get your legs under you, get get yourself ready to go. So hopefully he can get back out there quickly while they're in the grinding stages of training camp because you're really only grinding, grinding like that for like the first week and a half. Like I say, once you, I mean, once you get past some of those days, it's kind of like, all right, we're here now. Um, and then, you know, they got the joint practices coming up in, in August, I think, against Jacksonville. So those are, you know, two decent practices. Um but this right here is when you really want to be out there because this right here is when, you know, you're grinding it with your team and, and, and y'all putting some work in. So these first, you know, eight to ten days are important. Yeah, and it's a bunch of things, too. It's the bonding with the teammates. It's the learning the new defense. I get it, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He did work in the past with Aaron Glenn, but it's still a new defense, some new wrinkles. He has to learn that. And you just got to work with your teammates. You have to put in the work together. You have to grind, and you come out on the other side better for it. Like we saw last year, though, not everyone has a good training camp, and you were very, very kind last year after you went to training camp. You were very you, – you just wouldn't go into detail. Just, that, you know, I saw some stuff. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. And you can tell it was not a good training camp. How would you, if you were in a position to change it, what would you do differently to make sure, hey, we are – on it this year we're not taking days off we're not lackadaisical this is a team with energy this is a team that is fired up well you know like i said it just all depends on on, on what, what what your role is like you said last year i went there and you know and i just kind of watched you know what i'm saying and my what what i saw from people from individuals from from positions it kind of led right over into the season um so, you know, what I would do different, it just depends. You know, if you're the DB coach, you know, you you, you want to make sure your guys are ready to go every day. Obviously, you're a part of the puzzle. You can't control the D-line. You can't control the linebackers. You can't control the offensive line or anything on the offensive side. But the one thing I can do is make sure my guys are ready to go each and every day. And, you know, it's a lot that go into that because it's a lot that you have to do as far as preparation, you know, meetings, you know, making sure you guys are there, they're awake, they're ready to go there. You know, I was big on getting to the practice field early. I hated walking out to the practice field at 7.55 for 8 o'clock practice. Like, I just didn't like that. 8 o'clock practice, I'm out there on the practice field at 7.25, 7.30, getting myself ready to go, feeling the environment, feeling the atmosphere, talking through things that we may have talked about in meetings. Uh, making sure that mentally I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to attack the day. Um, those were things that I did. And, you know, guys started to follow that. 
and the coaches would even be out there and we would talk and do ball drills and just get ourselves ready to go. You know what I'm saying? And once you start seeing that, then it feels weird when other guys don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Because you're out there working, the coaches are out there with you and you're just sitting in the locker room. You start to stick out. You, you you don't look good. So now you start getting your whole group out there. And now you got a whole group of guys that's out there 20 minutes early going through whatever, stretching, you know, walking through things, just getting ourselves ready to go so that we can make sure that we have a good practice. And so um, I didn't see a lot of that last year. The guys, especially the DBs, they were not out there early. You know, wasn't a lot of guys out there early um that i saw um so that's one thing that i would that i would change and, you know and as and as a head coach you don't really control that right you you're not really telling the guys hey guys we need to get out there early that's more of a position group thing now the head coach could talk to the position coaches and encourage that but that's a position coach doing thing and so um i, I would definitely change that because, like I said, that right there could set the tone of how your guys practice. And once you start stacking good practices together, that behavior kind of just carries over into the season. Like I said, the same attitude that I saw from Amani um, and, you know, several other guys at training camp was the attitude that I saw during the year. And that's exactly how they played, exactly how I saw them practice was exactly how they played during the season. And it wasn't good in August when I was out there, and it wasn't good throughout the whole season. And then we all remember, too, this is very reflective, not going out early of the Carolina Panthers game where they did not go out early. They hid in the locker room, warmed up there, and then just got smacked around. So I think getting out early, being on your P's and Q's, that is very important. And I also, I seem to remember that you're a big staying late fan too. You'd stay after practice, work on those hands. You and Amon Ross St. Brown probably would be hanging out every practice because he's got to catch his 201 passes. Did you have a limit for how many balls you had to catch or was it just, hey, I'm doing work? No, nah, I didn't have a limit on how many balls I had to catch. And, you know, like I said, Wide receivers and DBs are a little different, I guess. So, you know, I wasn't a jug machines type of guy. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't my gig. I didn't really like it. So I didn't do it. Um, that's kind of why, kind of how we started hand school. Because I used to want somebody to throw the ball to me. Like, I want to see the ball come out your hand. I want to judge the ball. I don't want to just stand there and the ball shoots out 100 miles per hour and it sticks Don't want to, to do it. the like, fake jog and yeah, then put your hands that. up. I, I don't play the I don't play the game like that. You know what I'm saying? And so I I wasn't a huge fan of the jug machine. And then, you know, I used to try to do it because they would want us to do it. And then one day after practice, it was just like a line of people. And I wasn't one of those veteran guys that just kind of debo everybody, like, all right, guys, we done had a long practice. I know it's a line out here, but I'm gonna just go next. Like I'm next. You know, I wasn't like that. So if I got there fifth, then I probably was going to go fifth. Like, that's just kind of how it was. So just sitting there waiting in line, I'm like, bro, I ain't got time for this right here. Like, I need somebody. So I got grabbed a coach and just started throwing me the ball. And so we just started making up all types of things, just different things that we – positions that I felt like we would be in in the game and just worked on stuff like that. So I didn't have a number that I had to catch, but I would catch throughout the, the whole practice, like – before practice, I'm catching. During practice, I'm catching. 
you know, if we got like a little break and, you know, it's offenses out there or something like, you know, I'm catching some balls on the sideline. And then after practice is doing different things, running through obstacles, running behind dummies. Um, like when I say dummies, I mean like the big pads and stuff. Right? Um, you were talking you know, about Andre and Slay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just doing all types of things, over shoulder catches, like there's all types of stuff that um that was actually pretty cool so we actually started doing that as a db group and you know just had all the guys over there and so yeah we definitely needed to do that and you know when we did that our hands were impeccable my hands were incredible i don't i don't remember dropping many um slay caught a lot of them you know quandre called them i mean we 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 were catching interceptions and so I, you know, I always often joke with those guys. I'm like, hey, man, now you've gone to Philly Slay. Do you still do hand school? Because I've seen you drop a few, bro. Quandre, do you still do hand school? I've seen you drop a few. You know, you used to feel like your hands were top notch like mine, but I've seen you drop a couple. You're still balling. Y'all still balling, but I've seen you drop a couple. I remember they were saying that last year too. They they were all confident that oh I've got better hands than Glover <laughs> Quinn. And then sure enough, I think it was the next week. It was it's the Vikings. Slay goes out and drops two two interceptions. He still had two interceptions, but he dropped another two. And Quandre, we, I remember he had one. But and speaking of Quandre, he got snubbed recently. Madden just completely disrespected him. Is this something that players actually pay attention to, or is it just something that? You, it comes out, you see it, and you're like, what the hell? Why they got me rated there? And then you move on from it. Or does it linger in the back of your mind, like, motivation? Well, I think it's kind of like a – I mean, it's kind of like a rankings thing, right? Like, this, this is where Madden ranks you, right? This is what they think of my talent, my speed, my – all these different things, right? And, you know, if you're a gamer, gamer, yeah, you probably think about it because you play the game all the time. If you're not a gamer gamer, then you probably see it, get the initial whatever, and then kind of move on from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how I was. I would always see, like, the initial, you know, oh, these are the rankings. Okay, cool. And then I didn't really pay much attention to it because I didn't. I wasn't a gamer. So, you know, everybody wants, like, you know, we're all human, man. Like, we, we, we all see that stuff how you let it affect you and and bother you and and things like that that stuff varies from guy to guy but i mean you see it you know and we all want to be you know ranked as high as we possibly can you know yeah you don't get any i mean i don't know of any award that you get for being the highest ranked on madden but it probably just feels good to feel like you know what i've got a good rating on madden because we a lot of times we all grow up playing the video game. So now that you're on the game, because most of the time when you're when you're young and you're playing, you you always create yourself and you make yourself all 99. Like you're everything. Everything is all 99. And so to actually have your own rating and you're in the 90s, you're like, okay, man, they got me pretty good on here. Um, so I think that's just a normal thing. But, you know, like I say, if you're a real gamer, you probably let it, you know, you probably keep track of it throughout the year because I think it kind of fluctuates 
throughout the season. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're playing well, they may bump up your ratings a little bit. And if you're not playing well, they will drop your ratings a little bit. And so if you're a gamer, you're probably seeing those changes throughout the year. And like I said, if you're not a gamer, you probably don't even know what's going on. They Somebody probably tell you like, hey, dog, they got you, they got you rated. Your ratings went up a little bit in, in Madden. And you probably like, oh, for real? What they got me at now? Okay, cool. But, you know. That's kind of how I imagined it, too. Because everyone reacts on social media when they first see their ranking. But then after that, you don't hear them bring it up again. You don't hear a war on Madden or, like, it doesn't seem like a consistent motivation. It's like Amon Ross St. Brown with his wide receivers that dropped ahead of him that he carries with him. It, it just seems as though it's one of those, all right, that sucks. They're wrong. Move on. I'm going to go ball out. And, and and it'd be like people that feel like they should have had a higher rating in something. You know, if it comes up throughout during the season, then they'll bring it up. Like, if a guy is fast, but they got him as like a 95 speed and he burns everybody with a 70-yard touchdown where he just literally caught a slant and just pulled off from everybody, he'll probably say, well, maybe Madden to bump my speed up to like a 97 or a 98 right now. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that. Somebody make an incredible catch and then it's like, all right, maybe my incredible catch rating on Madden to go up some or, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But outside of that, I don't think people really think much about it throughout the season. Yeah, and I'm sure yours should have been a 99 hands. I don't know if it actually was. Madden could be a little bit uh, sketchy that way. But 99 hands for Glover, because I don't think I ever saw him drop picks either. Yeah, I mean, my, my you know, if they could, if they would have knocked me on anything, I guess rating-wise, they probably would have knocked me on – Speed, agility. Didn't get uh, beat over the top too much, though. So, uh... And that's what I was, <laughs> I was telling somebody this the other day. I was like, the one, the, the one thing that I heard the most throughout my whole career, from high school to college to pro, like all this stuff, the one thing I heard the most was about my speed. And I'm sitting there like, no. I wasn't a 4-3 guy, but I sure wasn't getting ran past either. I mean, I, I'm i not saying that it didn't happen, but I can't remember times where even when I was playing corner, well, I just got ran by like that. As yeah. a safety, just getting ran by. Like, I just can't – I just don't remember those times. So, that was the thing. I knew – what my speed was. I knew how fast I could run. I, and so I played to my strengths. I knew my weaknesses and I played to those things. So just because you're fast, I see plenty of fast people get ran by, like ran right by for a bomb. So just because you're fast doesn't mean that you're not going to get ran by. And just because you're not as fast doesn't mean you're going to get ran by all the time. It's just all about understanding the situation, understanding who you are, understanding who you're going against, understanding the coverage, and playing the game. That's what you're doing. You're playing the game. Everybody in one-on-ones can be something totally different. 
when you're playing the game, it's a lot that goes into it. Down and distance, formations, personnel, all these different things play into that play. And if you're not aware of those things, you could be the fastest guy out there and get ran right by. Get ran right by. So, you know, I, I kind of had to block out all those things. But like I said, I understood that that was what they kind of deemed as a weakness of mine. So I just kept working on it. I just kept running and make sure I was in good shape. And, I mean, I was fine. I think you were pretty fine. Like you said, I don't remember you getting beat over the top, someone running by you. I do remember a lot of the times where you were behind someone and broke on the ball to pick them off and get past breakups. So I think the speed, the change of the direction, I think they were all pretty damn good for Glover Quinn. They were, they were, they were solid enough. I got 10 years out of it. so <laughs> 10 years, too. And they could have gone more if you really wanted to, I'm sure. You were pretty damn good. <laughs> Man, I still feel good, man. I still feel good. I probably can go and nah, I ain't gonna even say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't want someone to challenge you to put the pads on, go out to Lions training camp. Nah. Maybe Mm-mm. one drill. Hands oh, drill. I definitely oh, I definitely could do the drills. I could do all that stuff. But plan, nah. Gotcha. So we'll get you some shells. We won't get you the whole uh, the whole get up and uh, we'll put you through some drills per. <laughs> So with training camp going on right now, we see pretty much every day there's a new highlight clip. Pretty much every day it's Jameer Gibbs. The Detroit media is in love with Jameer Gibbs. Do players inside the organization notice this with the media talking like, oh, Jameer Gibbs, he's the the franchise savior. He's so good. He's got all these hands. He's going to catch 200 balls this season. Or is it just one of those things that just kind of flies out the window? No one really cares. No one pays attention. Yeah, that was a cool highlight. Let's recreate it tomorrow. I mean, I think it kind of varies. You know, I think, um, you know, he was a he was a high draft pick for him. You know, and so when he come in, the 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 hype around him is already high. He's a talented guy, you know, and so until he shows something different, I mean, they're gonna hype him up. He's a the offensive guy that they drafted high. So they expect him to do uh, big things. And so when they see him do things in practice and this and this and that, then, yeah, they, that's, you know, and I think players understand that, teammates understand that. Like, man, you you know, this is who he was. You know what I'm saying? I think the biggest one kind of got me was, you know, and I ain't sitting here, like, hating or anything like that. But when I first got to Detroit, you know, I signed – uh, the same year that Reggie Bush signed, right? And Reggie Bush's time in Detroit, you know, was okay. You know, I, I wouldn't say it was Reggie Bush's standard of what we all remembered and knew Reggie Bush was. But the camera guy loved Reggie Bush. I say he, I'm talking about it didn't matter what, Reggie did. Reggie had pictures, pictures, pictures. And I would be sitting there like, dang, man, Reggie got all the photos. Like, I can't even get a picture. Like, geez, man. And I was bold. I was like, heck, I can't even get a photo, man. This guy loves Reggie Bush. 
You know what I'm saying? Reggie Bush in the locker room, sitting in his locker. Like, all these cool things. I'm just like, dang, man. And like I say, I kind of felt like it was just because the camera guy probably was trying to come up. You know, Reggie Bush is super famous, popular, a lot of followers and all this stuff on the social media. So the more pictures I can get of Reggie, the chances of him posting my pictures and people seeing my pictures, right? Like, I mean, if I was a young photographer or a photographer, I probably would did it too. But it was, you know, as a player, you just like, dang, man, Reggie getting all the pics. I can't even get a picture. Full show photo shoot for Reggie Bush. Probably a little <laughs> bit of Calvin sprinkled in there to Glover Quinn. Maybe on a Wednesday during a special teams drill when uh, Reggie's already gone in, you can get a get a picture, eh? Man, Reggie will have more pictures than Calvin. Wow. Yeah, That's Reggie, big. Reggie had the pictures, bro. Reggie, <laughs> every time I would go through and look at the photos, Reggie had a stash in there. That's so funny. Yeah, it was it was funny. He's a photogenic guy, though, so I, I, I get it. I completely get it. As long as it's not bothering the rest of the locker room, as long as it's one of those things. That- nah. I mean, I probably was the only one that freaking cared about it. Like <laughs> I said, I had just signed in Detroit with Reggie. And, so well, like, I probably- and you're a photographer, too, so you're like, damn, like, I, I, I could do this job. <laughs> well, I can't even – well, I mean, I liked pictures at that time. That was back in 13, 14, so I don't know if I was really – into photography like that at that time i was into my cameras well i really didn't start buying my gopros until 15 when my son started baseball but i had cameras in college i had cameras in college but i wasn't taking them like that wasn't to the level you're at now no 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 no. cream of the crop nah not not then i i liked it but i didn't know what i was doing at all and that's okay. You learn with time, like you learned how to be an NFL pro. And it seems as though running backs are learning that they are not as valued as they used to be. This entire offseason has just been a conversation about running backs. First, it's uh, Saquon Barkley. He gets the franchise tag. He holds out. Then he signs his, his tag with a little bit of extra money. Josh Jacobs is skipping training camp. Jonathan Taylor and Jake Dobbins on the PUP list, but that's it's rumored that they want new contracts. Austin Eckler, they had a meeting the other day where all the top running backs got together to try and figure out what they're going to do. But is there much you can do if the NFL is saying, nah, this is what we're going to give you. Take it or leave it. This is the CBA. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the CBA. I, I really feel like that's just kind of how they are valuing a position and understanding that the injury rate, in the NFL is a hundred percent, but the numbers probably show that running backs probably get hurt a whole lot. You know, Saquon Barkley has been hurt. Um, Jonathan Martin has been hurt. Like running backs. I mean, quarterbacks have O-linemen blocking for them to protect those guys. Receivers a lot of times they catch the ball in space and they protect themselves a little bit, get out of bounds, get down. Running backs can't get down like that, like receivers do, right? Receivers, they get down and it just aggravates the crap out of DBs and people like that, but it's okay. They smaller guys. They don't want to get hit. They just want to catch the ball and 
get what they can get and get down or get out of bounds or whatever. Running backs don't really do that, right? Running backs, you know, they have everybody looking at them to come hit them. They're getting hit by the D-line. They're getting hit by linebackers. They're getting, you know, tackled by linebackers and then hit by DBs all at the same time. And so, you know, the running backs body take a lot. And I think that's why it'd be important for those guys to try to get paid when they can get paid because they know that every year that we make it through this thing is like a, a real blessing. And is it, it is like that for every player, but especially running backs because of the beating that your body takes. And so when it's time for them to get paid, they want to get paid. The problem is these teams know the same thing, that every year is tough. And so do we want to allocate this many million dollars to you and then you get hurt, you know? To them, you know, the running back is a mean position. It's an attitude position. It's a want-to position. It's a tough guy. And I think they feel like, you know, yeah, from a talent standpoint, some guys are just special. But I think throughout the history, they've shown that you can find good, hungry running backs late in the draft or in the undrafted pool because they got that chip on their shoulder. They, they're they mad. They're angry. They didn't get drafted. They want to come out. They want to run hard. They want to run through a brick wall. So I think they really feel like, you know, we can get two or three running backs because the chances of all three or four of you guys making it through the season is slim, right? So instead of having one running back that we're paying $15 million, $16 million, we can get three of them and pay them four or five million. So now we're getting three quality running backs as opposed to just one top guy. And I really think that's kind of how they're looking at it so that they can figure out a way to manage the load for these running backs so that you're not having to take, you know, every down. So when you see, you know, I think in, in like you look in Detroit last year, they had a nice little DeAndre Swift and then they had, uh, Jamal Williams, and then um, they had what was number 42 name? Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you can mix those guys in, not one guy has to take the, 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 the full load. But you saw DeAndre Swift go down early in the year with an ankle and shoulder, and they kind of bugged him all year, you know, and if they had all their eggs in that one basket, they wouldn't have been able to pay a Jamal Williams to be on the team or he wouldn't have been able to be on the team or, you know, they probably still could have had Justin because he was a, you know, younger guy, I guess. But I think that's what hurts that position. Um, and it sucks for those guys who are considered like the top guys that deserve to get paid. They want to get paid. They should get paid. But as a team, it's like it's a risky investment and they would rather not do it. And like I said, for for those running backs, they got a short window. They got they got to capitalize because, I mean, as DBs, they write you off fast once you get around 30 running backs. I mean, you'd be 27. I think Zeke's 27, 28. 
Zeke just turned 28 this month. Yeah, just turned 28, and he's like ancient. <laughs> like he's ancient. You know what I'm saying? He's 28. You know what I'm saying? Slay's 32, and he's and man, he's still going, right? And they tried to do that with Slay too. Or oh, you know, I don't know if you're worth this money. Okay, okay. Well, other people think you're worth this money, so you are. But with running back, it's just a whole league. No, you're not worth this money. Right, but like with Slay, we're not even talking ten minutes. We're talking. We don't think you're worth twenty, so we'll give you fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Twelve, whatever he got. Like running backs is. Hey, we don't think you're worth this. We want to give you that. And you know, they think. They sit there and think about that beat, and they got to take, like, bro, you want me to go through all that for this? And I get it to the outside world. They can't see past that, right? They see $6 million and feel like you're supposed to just jump crazy for $6 million. And and, and, and in the real world, yes, $6 million, that's a lot of money. But when you're talking billion-dollar industry and value and this and this and that, the value that I'm bringing to you to earn multiple billions of dollars, six million just ain't a lot of money, boss. With the risk that I'm putting myself on, you know what I'm saying? Like those injuries, I have to live with 30, 40, 50. Like that's tough. So you got to make your money when you can make your money. So, I mean, I feel like the running back should be compensated. Um, it's just a tough, it's just tough. And like I say, they can find a lot of guys that are talented, that's hungry, that they don't have to pay a lot of money to that maybe can get them a year, maybe can get them a few games. And that's, that's what they're doing. They're putting all their resources in these quarterbacks and, and these wide receivers and these old linemen to protect these guys. I think Dan Orlowski had a good, you know, segment on his social media um, yesterday. I think I saw what well, he was talking about that. Like they're paying the guys that really affect the quarterback position. You know what I'm saying? The quarterbacks are the main guys. That's who we're going to put our money in. And then we got to put people around him to protect him. So you send the O-line guys getting paid and then wide receivers and tight ends, guys that he throw the ball to. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get him some of that. We're going to get some guys to protect him, and then we're going to get him. And then, you know, we want to throw the ball 30 times a game anyway, so we just need a couple guys that we can hand it off to every now and then to, you know, act like we want to run the ball. But we really want to throw it 35 times if we can. That's what the league is right now. It's the same way on defense, too. It's edge rushers. They impact the quarterback, so they get all the money. Now defensive tackles are starting to get it. At least the pass rushing, nose tackle is still a little bit undervalued compared to the rest. But if you're a pass rusher, you're getting paid. If you're a top-end corner, you're getting paid. If you can affect the passing game, affect quarterbacks, whether it's on offense or defense, safeties, they are getting paid, even though Kevin Byard was forced to take a pay cut. He should not have been because that man was a baller. Right. Uh, it's the nature of the business. I get it, but it's still, I, I just hate seeing pay cuts for players. They just give them all the money. I yeah, I just don't. I I just don't like just the whole feeling of that. 
Like this guy, Kevin Byard, has been playing at a high level for you for a long time. Long time. If it get to a point where I got to ask him for a pay cut, I probably would just rather release him. Like, I can't ask you to take a pay cut, man. Like, you've done too much for the organization. You've, you've made, like, great plays. You know what I'm saying? And I think that'd be the biggest thing that players gripe about is the fans don't really see and understand both sides of the spectrum. They always want to talk about players when they hold out or when they gripe for more money, but they never say anything about the ownership when they asking you to take pay cuts. So it's kind of like, okay, when I outperform my contract, I'm just supposed to stay in it. And then you guys are like, well, you signed the contract, like you signed the contract, show up to work. You signed the contract. Right. Well, I signed that contract that says I should be making eight million dollars this year. Why are y'all trying to make me take five? Why are y'all trying to cut me down to four? I signed a contract that said I should be making eight. Well, you haven't performed. OK, well, what happens when I overperform? Or is there such thing as an overperformer? Well, you can't overperform like you're just being good. Really? Really? You know what I'm saying? So. I think that'd be one of the biggest things is like when I deserve to get paid, I want to get paid because when I don't deserve to get paid, you're going to force me to take a pay cut. And it's especially tough for a guy like Kevin Byard. He's still playing at an all pro level. But the Titans, they wait long enough in the off season where Okay, well, you know, we could cut you and you could go into free agency, but no one's got any money left, so no one's going to pay you because they don't have the money. So, you know, you could take $3 million less for us, and, and we'll give you the chance to earn it back. But it, it just bothers me. It really does. And it just, like, I just don't like the vibe that that creates with the team. Yeah. Like, this is a great player for us, for our organization, and this is how we do him. So that does not show well to all the other people because – for him to be an all-pro caliber player, I'm sure he has a voice in the locker room. I'm sure yeah. he has that. And so when you do those guys like that, it just doesn't bode well for your locker room, for your organization. You know, that's just not a good thing. And yeah, you know, the, so the we'll see. Time, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, the only time I can get behind it is when it's a mutually beneficial deal. Is Tyron Smith this offseason? He was they lowered his salary total. He gets more guaranteed, and with incentives, he can make more than he ever possibly could. So it's a win-win. More guaranteed, more security, more potential for more. But someone has to lose in most NFL transactions, and unfortunately, it's always the player. And Tyron Smith, he's coming off an injury, right? Yep, exactly. And that's why he wanted so- the guarantees. Right, so that's like, you know, you start to have things like that, right? Where it's like, hey, man, we know you're this type of player. You're getting older, injuries, you know. We want to give you this right here, right? Um, But we also got to protect ourselves. And, you know, so let's work this out right here where – You'll get compensated, 
and make some money, you know, and if you play and do these things, then you'll make this much. Like, you'll make what you're supposed to make. But if you continue to get hurt again, then we got some protection on on the deal as well. And I think when a player understands how his career has been going and the team meets you halfway like that, you're okay. Yeah. I can't be a pro bowler, all pro, or like still playing at a high level. And you're asking me to do that. I'm not okay with that. Like I haven't, my play hasn't declined like that. So my money shouldn't either. Absolutely not. Pay the players, pay the running backs, pay all those Detroit Lions because they're going to be giving us some great memories this season when they go out and win. But we'll talk about all that kind of stuff later in this offseason as training camp progresses. But for now, Glover, any final thoughts, any parting words, any pluggables to plug? Oh, man, it's just, no, nah, man, I'm just, I hope you guys had a great offseason, man. We gave you guys a little break from seeing our face because, like I said, training camp is the start of the long haul. So you had a break from seeing us. Now you're going to be seeing us again because football season is here. Training camp is here. It's exciting time of the season. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, man, if you want to catch up on sleep and trying to get yourself ahead, July is the time to do it. Basketball season is over. Football season hasn't really started yet. Baseball season is in this all-star break, middle of the season, kind of just dog days. They still got two months left to play. So if you want to get a break and not feel like you're missing anything on TV, shows haven't really started yet because the they know it's, it's summertime. People are traveling. But come the fall, come August, come September, new episodes come out. Football has started. Basketball gets back going up in October. So if you want to get some sleep, July is the time. So hope of, hopefully you guys have caught up on your rest, finished up your summer break. We're getting ready to start school back out here in Texas in a couple of weeks. So it's go time. It's go time for football season. It's go time for school. It's go time for you. And it's go time for this podcast. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Woo! <laughs> and on that note, we will see you next time. Peace. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.